Welcome back, folks. This is Troy Hoffman, your guide to greatness. Welcome back to The Daily Question, where we help you find, follow, and finish your course of destiny by asking and answering simple questions that help you find the truth that you need. Today, we are going to be talking about working from home, remote workforce, motivating and holding a team together when everyone is scattered to the wind. And the question is of the day is how do I hold it all together is basically the summary of this question. Man, this is the challenge for so many companies, even the ones that I've already prepared, even for the companies that have already had work from home running. It is a constant battle, a constant evolution, is a constant meticulous gardening of your company. It is constantly weeding the garden. It is constantly managing the, 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 the bugs that come. It's constantly managing the, the right amount of watering. It's constantly managing the process and how it's laid out and in the sprinkler system and everything just done right because just like a garden, weeds come. Just like a garden, the bugs come. Just like a garden, the snakes come in there. Just like a garden, the, the water has to be right. The sun has to be right. The, the soil, the fertilizer, the, the pesticide. Like There's just so many things that, that to make a perfect garden work. And you need the people with the experience to be able to guard and, and watch over this. And if your workforce is like beautiful flowers and beautiful trees and beautiful bushes and all these things when they come together work beautifully but when they're separated even more it's hard because you have to run across let's say a mile apart to go water one tree and a mile away to go water another tree it becomes even more and more difficult that the proximity factor is gone and so for us when we were building the company you know almost from day one we're a remote company my brother lived in georgia and here I am in California trying to start the company while I was in, uh, in Colorado and Florida at the time, laying the groundwork out to even launch this company. And when we were in architecting, we knew right away that we were going to have remote work for us. My brother had already laid out like 30 offices for a mortgage company. He already knew the intricacies. So right from day one, we architected so people could work from anywhere. But it's not been easy. It's been a challenge. Within year one, we had a few people in one office. We had a couple people working remote, about two, three. And we'd be scanning one thing at a time and emailing it. We'd be trying to have the centralized system run better in the sense of, of sharing documents and sharing stuff. And even with all the development we did in, in Share, uh, SharePoint, we still had challenges. We were on phone calls, not video calls at the time. We just... Thank God for the last few years of all the video finally becoming so easily to use because in the beginning it was difficult. Man, we had people that would start here and then go work remote and we weren't sure if we were paying them for anything or not. We had no metrics. We had no goals. We didn't have the systems in place. So I think here's where it comes into play. Right now, our challenge is our entire forces that were in offices are now scattered. The things that were very easy to do with checklists and a little bit of folders sitting at someone's desk and have to move to their house. The th so the, the same things must be done. You almost need to imagine 
how would you run your workforce if they were in the office and then do that by video set their desks up just like the office make sure that they're 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 ready to roll with chairs and videos and and laptops and computer screens so they can operate with they have three screens here get them three screens at home I mean, do whatever it takes to make sure there is a seamless transition. Invest the time, invest the money. Now's the time to become masters of this. We, we immediately were able to pull the trigger and almost seamlessly get people up and running. We already had all the services. We were already on AWS. We already had built a software platform to manage the company internally that was built on ASP.NET that anyone can log in from anywhere in the world and do the work. And we've already been testing and building and testing and building and have task management systems built here. And so we could run the reports to see if something was done or not. We had checklists that were built into the system. And so we slowly over time kept adding and adding and adding to we could have an elite workforce. We could scale rapidly and add people into this. We have a whole online training university that someone could start in the middle of Timbuktu, log in at a third grade level, understand what we do, how to do it and when to do it by going through the videos, going through the manuals online, going through the, the training, the Q&A question answer systems. They can grow and they can learn. They can, they, can, they can adapt quickly and they can even use it as a resource file to go find these quick, we call them cheat sheets. And I forget actually the real name, what they call them internally, <coughs> these one-page snapshots. We also have these very much these checklists, these very high-level checklists that we operate. We, we went through a deep process of, of applying the checklist manifesto here. The book Checklist Manifesto, every entrepreneur in the company should read and figure out what do you need checklists in your operation because right now when crisis hits is when simple things become forgotten. Simple things just become tossed to the side and then the business starts faltering. One little thing becomes a ripple. One little mistake becomes a bunch of people involved fixing it. One little mistake becomes consumption of 20 hours because one person didn't check one thing on the box. They didn't do the one task that took 20 seconds. And now it's requiring 20 hours of the entire team to clean it up. See, now is the time to be vigilant. Now is the time to get consistency running. The daily huddles, the weekly meetings, the quarterly planning, the monthly meeting. Now is the time to make sure you're connecting the phone. What are people doing? I mean, I can tell you some of the leaders in our company are crushing it, crushing it on running the operation. And then there's other leaders that are just falling apart a little bit. They're being challenged. They're not in the same environment. They're working from home. They're not in the offices. The, the connectivity of someone sitting right next to them and right across from them is gone. And little mistakes are showing up. See, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm an imperfect person in an imperfect world with imperfect people working with trying to create a perfect company too. And I'd say, so some of the things that we've done and learned is number one, make sure that everyone can share files and share and has a very clear system of use. You're gonna have to systematize everything. You're gonna have to have everyone know what to do, clearly defined when to do it. There's time tracking on it, there's dates, there's time, there's a task management process to your system, whatever that is. They gotta know what to do again. There's gotta be a training, there's gotta be outlines, there's gotta be very clear, defined outcomes that they're trying to accomplish throughout the day. So you're gonna know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. They're very deeply ingrained in how that process is for you guys. What to do, when to do it, how to do it. 
what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And they should all be very clear in the why. You can have a lot of process, a lot of systems, a lot of metrics, but if people aren't clear on the why right now, they're going to make dumb mistakes. They don't know why they're doing something. Why do I do this task? If it doesn't resonate, if, it does, if they aren't truly locked in, if we haven't trained them deeply, they will fail. And, and, and it's not their fault. It's us as the leader. I hate to say it. Anyone fails in my organization, it is my fault. Extreme ownership. Extreme ownership. Something goes wrong in my organization, it is my fault. Even if I didn't hire the person, even if I don't no longer watch over that group of people, even if it, there's a, I would never audit what they're doing and it's still my fault because I have built the rest of the systems above it. I'm responsible for the top leaders. I'm responsible for every action, unfortunately, it is, and it is so difficult because so many things happen in company that I don't even know what happens sometimes. Man, and I have to eat the crow. I have to eat the crap. I have to deal with the problems. I have to deal, deal with the client yelling at us. I have to deal with the eating with egg in my face and eating it and be like, oh man, we'll just pay that out of our pocket too. We'll lose our reputation on that one because we screwed up that little task. And the more complex your business is, you understand what I'm talking about. The, the constant problems, the constant challenges with, from the customers, from internally. I mean, we've got people literally thinking they should get raises right now in the middle of the entire world economic meltdown. And they think they're owed it. And they're the ones messing up, which is even more insane. I mean, this is the reality of what we're dealing with. This is, this is the truth of every company. And then you've got the people that feel that are doing the hardest work, the best work, who come humbly to you and say, hey, if I need to take a pay cut check, I will. I'll take a pay cut. Cut my check. Do whatever you have to do to keep this thing alive. Man, there's just, and, and, and it's good. Man, the, the, uh, what is the old biblical example? The wheat from the chaff? The, the separation is occurring, and it is occurring rapidly right now. You will see those that are failing and faltering because they just don't give a shit. They really don't. They don't care about the company. They just care about that little bit of a paycheck and paying their bills, and that's it. I mean, they would go anywhere. They would do anything for their thing, and they're not adding value they're just kind of going along and doing a job. There are those people, but there are those that care in your organization. The remnant is what they're going to be called because after this whole thing goes down for those that aren't growing rapidly and adding, adding massive amount of staff and bodies right now, there are people that are thinning out and we'll focus on those that are willing to, to step up. We're going to focus on those that are willing to do the work. We're going to focus on those that are willing to serve and give and do whatever is required to help keep their companies going. This is their castle. This is their town. This is their, their world, their economic area. We as a team must keep our economics going. And that goes for every team listening. You've got to do whatever it helps to your team. And these are our families and our friends and all the people we work with. We don't have to be best friends and best buddies where we go fishing together and go drinking together or whatever it is people do. But we have to be there to support each other. See, the best thing that we can do right now is take care of ourselves, take care of our families, and take care of our communities. And part of our community is the workplace. The government's not going to take care of you. That may last a month maybe two, 
but they're going to falter. There's going to be problems. They're going to be economic drain. And if you're thinking you're going to get a free ride and sit in your ass, now is not a time to sit on your ass. Now is a time to double down on the work. Now is a time to do whatever you possibly can to get it going. And that attitude, that spirit, we have to ingrain in everyone we work with and not beat it into them, but pull it out of them. They have to be given a goal and chase after they're going to, and then those that do not meet the mark, we have to let them go. Let them be free. Find them something they do want to chase after. Find something they are passionate about. Find something they are motivated. We're, we're liberating people when we give them the opportunity to go somewhere else and find something they're excited about. Don't look at it as a negative. And if you are laying people off, I'm so sorry. Man, I, I feel your pain. I understand what, how, how difficult it is for those that are listening right now that have had, our, had already do the layoffs. And there's more coming probably for you. Or you've cut deep. Man, listening to my buddy Larry Brofton post a video. He has this Brofton hotel chain and he's just asking for money to keep his employees going. You know, and, and he's a man that is of greatness. He's a man built of, of stature and, and dynamic. And he's just done so much for so many. And he's just asking to help his employees so they can they can have money coming in. They can have, have paychecks coming in. They can find work for them to do of some way to keep his company alive so they actually have a company to come back to. This is hard. There are no easy, there is nothing easy going on anywhere for anybody in the workplace. But if you are working remote, let's go to the basics. Let's talk about the basics. One, man, you've got to know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Two, Make sure your environment is set up. You are ready to roll three. Make sure you roll out of bed. You do your morning routine. You hit your core four before you hit the door. You jump in the shower. You get dressed. You shave. You cut your hair. Whatever it is, clip your fingernails. You get dressed up. You log into the system. You get on video. You do your daily huddle. You, you lay out what are my tasks for the day. You print it out. You lay it out. You, you write it on a scratch sheet of paper. What are the things I'm actually doing today? And you go and tackle them one at a time. And you come back the next day and you check into your daily huddle and say, here's what I did yesterday and here's what I have to do today. And here's what's coming up in the next few days in a week. So that your team knows what's going on. You're accountable. You've got to be accountable. I don't know what number we're on. I think we're on four now. And you've got to be accountable. You've got to be accountable. Like, I have to be accountable. You've got to have team members drive you in some way. It is easy to drift. In 1% course over several days off, you're way off course within a few weeks. Way off course. And problems are going to start happening and you will get fired. You will have to fire those people. This is not acceptable. This is, I must demand excellence in my life and those of those around me. This must be the spirit. This must be the attitude. This is the calling. We are, we are all called to wear the mantle of change in this time of crisis. We're all called to put on the new mantle of the new economic environment we are in. We're all called to wear the new mantle of the current situation and move forward together. And those that are not, we must let them go because we are leaders. We aren't saviors. We are leaders. We're not saviors. We're, we're here to lead, not save. Those who are not willing to save themselves, I've thrown them the life jacket. I threw them the thing and they're like, and they're still drowning. They're like, we're waiting for help. I'm like, I've sent you help. 
I've gave you, I gave you a life preserver. I gave you a buoy. I gave you a life jacket. Why aren't you using it? And there are those, no matter how much you give them, how much you throw at them, they will not latch on it. They will not seize. They will choose to drown instead of be choose to do the work of reaching out and, and putting the life jacket on or grabbing a hold of the buoy. Because you're not right there to grab your arm around them and then pull them back to the boat. Unfortunately, we'll have to let those drown because we can't save everybody. We will lose our own lives. See, one of the greatest lessons is that that I learned in life. When I was a kid and was 15 years old, I started training so when I was 16, I could become a lifeguard. And I wanted to be a, a Cocoa Beach, Cape Canaveral lifeguard on the beach. And I went through the pool training. I went through the CPR training and the first aid training and the advanced CPR training. And one of the captains that was teaching us during that time in the pool training, he's like, you must save yourself first. Whatever is required when they're drowning, they will claw you. They will choke you. They will do whatever it is to save their own lives. And you have to keep yourself alive first because you're never going to be able to save anybody. And that is our responsibility as people to keep ourselves alive first. See, and I never really knew what that truly meant. I didn't know what it meant to keep myself alive. I didn't know what it meant to, to step up and not, and, not, and not worry about, I was like, oh, I always save the drowning person. Until one day I actually had to do it. The, the tower was closed. It's past five o'clock. The, the beach is pretty much empty. There happened to be a bus come in from Orlando. This is in Cape Canaveral, Jetty Park, Florida. I happened to go back to go look for some sunglasses or something I thought I left somewhere. And all of a sudden I see all these people screaming and some people on the beach pointing and waving. And, and these people are trying to swim in and they're, people are getting smashed against the rocks. I was already off work. I wasn't lifeguarding anymore. And I saw this group of people, 15 or 20, I'm like, and, and, and they were just being pounded and the, and the current was sucking them into the jetty. And I don't know if anyone understands current, but it was pulling right toward the jetty where the rocks were and sucking right out to sea because all the waves were coming in. So I grabbed the boogie boards that I had from these kids that were standing on the beach and I started running out. I swam out to the first guy, gave him a boogie board, pulled him out rapidly. He was fine. The second person, though, instead of grabbing the boogie board, jumped at me and started choking me and pushing me under. The waves are crashing and the, the storm is hitting. The, the wind is howling and the rain is pouring. And I'm like, I knew right away. I pushed the guy as far away and kicked him in the gut. I elbowed him with my elbow and I got away from that person. And I had to scream and yell at the person saying, grab the buoy or grab the board or I'm not helping you. Another guy, when I went back in and pulled the other guy out, back out to see him, back around, so I brought him in. Had to go back out and pull the guy's foot out. He literally grabbed me again and was clawing at me. I literally pushed him against the rocks and, and had to yell at him too. I said, I can't help you if you don't stop grabbing at me. And I had to yank his foot out and see, the, and see literally the foot, the foot shred and the blood coming from the barnacles. Again, swam him out, brought him back in. Again, went back out again to the sea. And then poor, this poor lady, 
screaming, trying to, and getting sucked out and just, and you could just see her gasping and trying to go under the water, trying to get in, but she couldn't even get in. The, the current's pushing her out. The waves are pumping in. She's just stuck in limbo. I had a, unfortunately, I didn't have the boogie boards at the time. I, I'd left them off with somebody else and they were just going in on their own. So I grabbed the lady and the wave hit and it was either my body about to get smashed against the rocks or hers. And for whatever instinct I knew right then, I had to take her body and take the wave and spin her and slam her into the rocks and protect myself because there were still more people to save. And I brought her out. I carried her in. And I said, I'm so sorry, but you got to understand. And I apologized to her and they went back out. The lady was just so grateful and thankful that he did save her life or else she'd even think anything about me putting her body between mine and the rocks. Because if I'd got injured and I got hurt, there were, I think there was like five or seven people left at that time that still needed to be saved, that couldn't swim well, that was drowning. The situation was dire. And that's where we're at today. We, we are drowning. There are people drowning. There are people drowning all around us. They're drowning emotionally. They're, they're drowning in the economic turmoil they're experiencing. They're drowning in the, in the fear of what's going on. And they're having to show up to work still. See, we as leaders, we have to do whatever is required to take care of ourselves and then go and take care of them. But we're leaders, not saviors. If they want to choose to drown, we have to let them drown because there's other people that do need our help. There's other people that we need to go to. That's what we do in the daily huddle. We come into this, the, the company every day with this energy. Some will live and choose to live and some will choose to not rise. They will choose to give up. They will choose to watch Netflix. They will choose to waste the time. If you are even having an opportunity to have a remote workforce, you are employing people in this time. They should be grateful. They should be thankful they have jobs. And there's people with an attitude which disgusts me. They're like, oh, I'll just quit my job and live off unemployment. Wait, wait, you have an opportunity to work and you're going to choose unemployment because your paycheck would be the same? Like, this is the society we're living in today. There's so many lazy people, so many people that are willing to just take free money from the government and not put any fucking work in. It disgusts me. But those people are not our people. Those people we do not save. They, that may last for them for a short period of time, but that attitude, that seed they're sowing, they're going to reap it down the road with not growing. They're going to reap it down the road with no harvest. They're not going to, they're going to look at other people with jealousy and they're going to be the one saying people criticizing those that are doing the work now. And unfortunately, that's what we have to do. There always is going to be the critic. And we know the quote. We've all heard the quote. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the critic who counts or the person who points out how the strong man stumbled. We know this quote. But it's, it's the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who at best knows the thrill of victory and at worst, the agony of defeat. But catch this, his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And those people, those employees, that aren't willing to step up and do this work right now. Those are the critics. We let them go. But there are employees who are in the arena with you, 
who are getting beat up with you, are willing to pay the price with you. Those people we encourage every day in the daily huddle. Those people we uplift on the daily huddle. Those people, every opportunity we, we say, thank you for doing the work. I am grateful that you're doing the work. I'm grateful you're still here. I'm thankful you're still here. Thank you for rising. Thank you for stepping up. Thank you for, for pouring into the people around you and making this a great company. And this message, we pour into them over and over and over again. We keep saying thankful and we're grateful. We keep casting vision, saying we will survive. We will get through this. Our bodies may get smashed against the rocks. Our, 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 we may gulp, gulp some water down our throats, but we will survive if we work together. We will get past this problem. The sun will rise again. The storm will clear. The waves will subside and the sea will be calm again. But it will take time. You will have to tell people this will be, this will be hard. This will not be easy. We, we're uncertain week by week what's going on. We're uncertain week by week what challenges we're going to have to face. You're going to have to share this message, but we can only do the best with what we got today. I can't predict the future. I can't say if we're going to go back to work in one week or one year. But whatever it is, if we lose it all, great. We'll start again. Honda lost their factory multiple times in wars where they were bombed and, and it was destroyed and they had to rebuild brick by brick again. And Honda still is out there alive as a company because someone didn't give up. Someone persisted. The team persisted. The, the people persisted. The employees persisted. The company would not falter and give up even with complete despair. And it's that spirit we wake up with every day, knowing that no matter how bad it gets, how much falls apart, we'll wake up again and we will rebuild. Germany has rebuilt. Berlin is a beautiful city. It was a completely devastated city 70 years ago. Completely devastated. Like, I mean, the pictures you see of Berlin and what you see of Berlin today is thriving in a beautiful economy and amazing. And they had, I think they even had it 20, 30 years later, amazing, like beautiful, brand new buildings everywhere. And it's just, and you think about how much destruction, entire massive community and what they've got today. Germany was utterly destroyed and years later it came back. We had the Great Depression and we came back. We had the, we had the, all these, God, you study European history and how much of, the, of Europe was ravaged by the plagues, and yet they came back and thrived again. It does take time, but you've got to have the faith. You've got to have the purpose, and you've got to have the passion. And, and, and if you're an employee, if you're the owner, if you're the manager listening to today, Man, we are all called to serve each other. We are all called to share this message. We're all called to rise and get dressed daily. We're all called to rise and put on our clothes and show up again at work. We're all called to do whatever we can daily to do the work that is required of us. So your remote workforce, man, there are a million articles of practicality, but all that doesn't matter if the vision is not there keep casting the vision to each other. Keep pouring into the belief that it is possible. Keep forging the new path, paying the price, pouring into the people around you, the words of inspiration, the words of encouragement, the words of gratitude, the words of, of love and affection, that we love each other enough to keep working. We love each other enough to keep working together so we have food on our table. We keep a roof over our head. We pay our bills. 
We can afford to keep going and living a good life of some sort, whatever that is for you. But we do this together out of love. It, it, will, it will guide us. It will lead us. It will, it'll charge us. You must love the people you work for and love the people you work for and love the people that work for you and love the people around you. That energy source alone, man, will inspire more, will produce more, will attract more business. Be the fire, be the flame, be the torch of love, truly loving and caring for people. Does that mean saving those who want to drown? Love is, love is kind, love is gentle, but love has to let people fail sometimes to learn their own lesson. It's not caretaking. So folks, thank you for listening. And you know, my prayer is that your families are safe and your people are safe. And that you're, you have opportunities and you're finding the opportunities. And I'm grateful and thankful that you're listening to this podcast and thankful that, that you're taking time out of your day to let these words sink into your spirit, into your soul, into your heart, so that they may ignite a, some type of fire inside of you. Pass, and I can pass whatever little bit of knowledge I have, a little bit of, of, of inspiration I have, or anything I've got inside of me that I can pour into you to light that torch. So we keep the fires lit across the world of entrepreneurship. We keep the fires lit of, 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 of the reality of survival, the reality of growth, the reality of thriving at the end of this. We keep the fires lit of hope. We keep the fires lit of love and compassion for that is what we are called. And I am grateful to be part of this journey with you. Thank you for listening. Please reach out. Get a hold of me on my cell phone if you're in despair and I can and I can speak anytime into you. We've got courses we're launching in Hatch where I'm sharing everything that I've got in this amazing online course um, to truly help pour into you. Uh, if you're challenged economically, reach out to me yourself and we'll cut a deal. But it's going to be incredibly inexpensive and it's it's hours and hours of content and written content and, and ideas for you to seize in the, your business realm. We've also got the book hatch coming out and, and we're just trying to give you tools and, and thoughts and mindsets and skill sets to move your life forward. So check them out. Go to TroyOffin.com and check out what's there. There's the daily question. Ask your questions. Go to Facebook. Go to Instagram. Follow me there. And I'll keep sharing everything I've got inside of me and trying to help you and serve you in any way I can. Now go and live your destiny. Your destiny.